the word of the witness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome back to Word of the Witnesses, our 12 Monkeys Rewatch podcast. As a reminder, we are rewatch, which means we've seen it from beginning to end and we do spoil generously. So please come back later if you have not yet finished the entire series. This is Beep and very shortly I will be joined by Cece for a very special episode where we got to chat with the witness. That's right, Allison Down joined us, along with Terry Metalis, who is always here to provide wonderful insights on the show. I won't keep you guys. Enjoy the interview. First of all, thank you so much, Allison, for joining us. Oh, it's us. my pleasure. And Terry, thank you for being so willing to come back and chat with us again. How always. did you all? So how did you all, maybe Allison first, but we'd love also <laughs> to hear from Terry, because I feel this feels like an episode where Olivia is front and truly front and center. In some ways, it feel it feels like for the first time in the show. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're gonna we now understand why. Um, right. But it also seems like an Olivia at a crossroads. And how did you approach playing her in this episode? Um, well. Very honestly, um, a lot of my approach had to do with long conversations with Terry and uh, the other writers and the producers and the director and um, and uh, to have guidance as to how to play her because, you know, there was still a lot I didn't know about Olivia at this time. And so I just took her scene by scene, character by character, uh, and, and kept it as simple as I could because there was a lot really that I didn't know. And so the best that I could do was to uh, be in the scene I was in with the character that I was in it with and go from there, if that makes sense. It was just a couple of tonal changes for me as well, just um, not livening her up, but just, you know, loosening her up a little bit um, from what she was before. Yeah, because before she was, you know, we knew her, her as Olivia, the, the the very put together striking woman. But by the end of season two, she started to have this, you know, she'd unravel quite a bit mm-hmm. and had turned against the witness. So before season three, um, we talked a lot about, you know, where she was going to go and um, bringing her into the facility and, and really giving kind of, you know, it, it's almost like, with striking woman, Allison's like wings were clipped. You know what I mean? Like we didn't, it wasn't a chance to really dig into who Olivia was, especially someone who at that point, I mean, I think what did we work out that she's like 80 years old and, you know, came from this horrible childhood, which we established in the second season. So it was, it was a chance to really, really dig in. And, um, I mean, this episode really is, I mean, I remember, I, I mean, I remember, Allison, you being very nervous about it because it was such a, I mean, it was a stage play with you and Barbara, mm-hmm. a lot of it. And, you know, yeah. just you in that, in that, in that thing. And, um, you, Allison just crushed it from the f- first minute. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. we were never worried. Um, but it was different than anything we had ever done before. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, one thing I notice even before I think you speak any lines of dialogue is the physicality of Olivia. You know, you're you're watching it. I'm like, she may be surrounded by everyone, but why do I as the audience member feel like she's in charge <laughs> the way you walked in? So is that something that you, I mean, because this is the, just the beginning of sort of Olivia's, like her physical presence and how strong she is. We're really going to see that as the season goes on. Is that something you had to think about? Like how does this Olivia move um, now that her, as Terry said, wings aren't clipped? For sure. And I did a lot of um, physical work when I wasn't on set. I was doing a lot of weightlifting and training. Um, and and so that on its own changed the way that I uh, held myself, you know, and, and in essence, Olivia. Uh, for me, costume helps a lot. And when I first walk in the, in the facility, I'm wearing that coat. Um, that I have, it's my coat now. And, um, and Is that it? really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at the end, you know, I was able to snag it. Um, or one of the versions, there's like four or five different versions. Um, but, um, but so costume helps me a lot. And just Olivia herself, you know, understanding that, um, she is generally in charge of every situation. So all of those things combined. Um, in some ways, it seems like your journey on this show as an actor mirrors your character <laughs> in that you... <laughs> and so when you filmed this episode, did you know that Olivia was running a longer con to take over by the end of season three, putting aside for the moment of ultimately she actually is the witness that she's trying right. to overthrow? I wasn't... I got little snippets of the story, but I wasn't told everything and I didn't pursue knowing everything as well. I really kept it. So I didn't know. I mean, I know that it was, you know, I, I knew it was a long con. I knew I wasn't really a prisoner in there. Um, I knew that, you know, one little flick of my hand and I could get out of there very easily and a elect little electrified fence isn't going to keep me in. Um, but I didn't know exactly what that long con entailed, which was okay for me as an actor, because I have to, again, take it one scene at a time. And if I've got too much in my head about my long con or what I'm going to do later, it, it'll create a confused performance and it won't be as clear, um, and as clear eyed as it needs to be for Olivia. Does that make sense? Did I just go on a weird... No, it makes total. No, Absolutely. it makes perfect sense. Okay, good. No, some people like to know the whole story, you know, and the other people would like to be kind of in in a box, <laughs> boxed <laughs> in that moment, so that you can give everything to like what that's supposed to look like. Yeah, and I think that's uh, there is a philosophy uh, amongst showrunners is to not tell the actors where they're going because fear they're going to play it um, um, and make it obvious. Um, I don't necessarily believe in that. Uh, um, I, I think actually, I, I've never, I mean, you know, Brooke knew she was Cole's mom. I don't really think it hurt anything. Um, no. So did Barbara. You know, I think once you started to figure out you're the witness, that didn't hurt the, you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm not entirely sure that, sure. I think actually what you can get is something 
authentic on a rewatch to be like, oh, I see the little things going on in their eyes here and there yeah. that that convey that truth or that path. But um, I also could see, and not being an actor, that that would take the um, if you knew too too much, it could mm-hmm. it could manufacture the performance in in a different way. So I, th- I think that's a yeah. it's a tricky uh, trust thing. Yeah, it's a very fine line to walk, um, I think. And and to be honest, I mean, season one and season two, I, I knew very little about Olivia, especially season one. I had no idea what I was doing when I would walk on set. I'm like, well, they like me, so I keep coming back. And But I didn't know. It was a very, very hard character to play because I had no idea what was going on because I just would come on. I was a day player, and um, and I didn't know what the heck I was saying and why. Um and uh, so, you know, it just I just kind of kept on that path a little bit, though I understood more in season three. Yeah. So, so when did you find out that you were the witness when you saw the finale script in this season or a little bit earlier? Or do you remember how you found out? Yes, I remember how I found out. Terry will argue with me possibly on this, but I didn't know till I read the 10th script of season three. Um there were little weird things that, like, occasionally they'd be like, Allison, you need to try on the witness mask. And I'd be like, oh, okay, sure. And, um, I, I don't, or the cloak. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's 12 monkeys, right? Like, that could be anything, or it could be, there's lots of twists and turns and weird things that happen. So I didn't, or I made sure not to put any stock into it. And then um, when I read the last script, that's when I knew. Uh, I, yes. I don't. Yes, there's also the time when I was like, "You're the witness." Um, you didn't say no. That, so you didn't say you were the witness. <laughs> you said you're like a, the main villain, and I was like, "Oh, I'm like the main female villain. That's great, yay!" But you didn't sit me down and say, "Hey, by the way, you're the witness." Uh, uh, so, I yeah, could, that's, well, that's me, I it's. But I don't know. We were we were literally fitting you for the witness costume. What were you like? <laughs> What was the well, uh, if you were going to be an extra playing the the well you never like, hey, know try the right? sun uh, yeah like, so yeah but there were those little things so obviously I was getting little hints but again it's twelve monkeys anything can happen um, could be a vision so, right I mean yeah you know those vision or, yeah so oh, I just tried to like do the job but yeah that's where but but it was it was. I mean, we had we knew where we were taking her in season two. Uh, you know, when she started to turn on the villain, we were uh, when she started to turn on the witness. It became at that point we we knew the the, the bit about Colin Cassie's son, and, and I think I've spoken about this before that mathematically it just not mathematically emotionally it doesn't make a lot of sense to do a show about mom and dad versus their kid like that in the intensity that we bring the show. So it was pretty clear. I remember turning to Sean and be like, wouldn't it be cool if she didn't know she was getting orders from herself from the future. And the thing that she hates the most is, is her. Um, and, uh, that, but that was season two. I mean, we, we knew quite a bit. So, yeah, I didn't know any of that in season two. Right. But you also very pregnant and dealing yeah. with that. Like the the thing that you guys don't know is that uh, in that that last scene uh, in season two where she's in the forest with with Ramsey 
and she says, I'm taking you to, to your son. She's about to pop. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. you left and went right to the hospital very soon <laughs> after that. It was pretty soon after. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was right at the end of my, my pregnancy. And you can't tell. We, we, we hit it pretty well. I mean, if you're looking for it now, you can you could kind of see, but we yeah. hit it pretty well. Yeah, I know. No, we, we, we so I, now when you watch that scene when you're on the bottom of the pool, I'm like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a whole There's... new meaning. Yes, and yes, I was pregnant. Um, yeah, I was laying oh. down there for, you know, quite a while. Yeah, I remember so, the uh, we were looking at the high def footage of her laying at the pool and this giant spider was crawling around her that none of us had i don't yeah. think any of us saw on the day and it was no. yeah, it was pretty terrible no. yeah it was actually. <laughs> so this i mean this episode is so i mean sort of as terry said because it's it's like a play um and it's so many of these one-on-one conversations with olivia and with cole or with jones now some of the if you guys have time, we'd love to dig in a little bit. There are some lines that are – or exchanges that are just so – they were always like mes- – you know, we're riveted. But they're so rich now that we know the whole story, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, just – and part of it also is even though this is a long con, there also seems to be a lot of emotional truth – with some of the things that Olivia is saying. So, so sort of first up, when she's seething at Cole, I was raised in a box, tested on, um, and right. then there they then it was a cycle and it was just another box. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts about I mean, because you know, even though she's our antagonist, those are moments where at least as audience members, you have an incredible amount of empathy for her. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts sort of about that? journey because in some ways it is olivia breaking sort of out of a series of boxes and then you know ironically she ends up back in a box at the very end of the series yeah yeah her life is a series of boxes well i think excuse me the the emotional truth it is it is truth anytime you see olivia have emotion in my opinion and from my perspective it's truth um, you know, simply because she's engaged on this long con doesn't mean that those emotions aren't real and doesn't mean that, you know, she's not very upset and angry at Cole for leaving her there um, and uh, or that it that didn't hurt um, or that there weren't aspects in her life that really created um, pain for her. And uh, a good manipulator will also have very true emotions because you can't, um, you can't manipulate somebody without that. It just wouldn't be possible. Um, so I think it's very, very true. You know, she used those things to kind of weave her web for sure. But they were based in truth. Yeah, because when she, when she says that to Cole, you left me behind, you know, you do sit mm-hmm. there and you're like, it's, they did leave this little girl behind. It's mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not perfect, those guys, for sure. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> if we could shift to the scenes between Olivia and Jones, 
Um, last week, one of our panelists described Olivia and Jones like Magneto and Professor X, and that <laughs> they are these, which I kind of love. Like these, at they're most certainly adversaries, but they also there's a level. I mean, particularly I think coming from Olivia, at least when she says in this episode, "Women like us," that she views <laughs> Jones as an equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just have a really interesting. I mean, we've got. Jones obviously torturing Olivia in this episode, and then in season four, the tables are going to be turned, and Olivia is going to be doing that to Jones. And it's right. always sort of poking at – they kind of know where to hit in terms of where each other's sort of insecurities. And so I was wondering if you just had any thoughts about that dynamic of sort of adversaries, but with respect um, between Olivia and Jones. Well, I think Olivia – I think Jones is probably the person that Olivia – respects the most um, because Jones is the only living person that um, could really uh, be equal to Olivia in her, at her level. And so I think there is a lot of respect there and awe there. And um, I can't help. I mean, I just love Barbara. So probably my love for Barbara just kind of comes through. Um, and, um, but I think that if Olivia would ever love anybody, in whatever way you want to you want to categorize that love, it would be Jones and Terry described it well. You describe it, Terry. Well, I I I, I think um, and this I mean it actually goes to I mean in their previous podcast they did about twenty five minutes on what they believe to be the sexual energy of Olivia and Jones, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, it, uh, it, it's 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 pretty fascinating. Um, mm. But it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't not that. But it wasn't that. For instance, like I, I, I think Olivia is not capable of love. But there's, I mean, an incredible. There's incredible respect. I mean, Jones is the creator of time travel, which in in, in many ways means is is Olivia's creator. You know, it, it, like she's heard the name Katarina Jones probably her whole life from the from herself, the witness and the word of the witness and things like that. So um, Jones is the only one intellectually she'd be an equal to. So there is a natural attraction. And I think for Jones, Jones is sort of fascinated in a Hannibal Lecter-esque way yeah. with the enemy, you know, with who is like Jones set out to solve a mystery. And here is a walking, living, breathing mystery, genetically engineered, who who is at the head of this conspiracy. Um, and it's just trying to understand. Um, and I think, you know, we always viewed it as, as two generals. Um, and I think Allison is just sexy in that scene. So I think, <laughs> I think people can, can, uh, can read that. I don't believe that Jones has any sexual attraction to Olivia. I think, no, I don't think so either. I think, I think, I think, She'd probably want to dissect her first, um, I guess, you know, before that. Um, and I don't know, Olivia's sexuality is something we, we toyed with and never really fully explored. But I mean, it's pretty clear that in the in 403, um, when, she, when we meet young Olivia, that, that she has a pretty serious relationship with um, when she's on the streets with that other girl. Um, and I mean, it's clearly an intimate relationship. So, um, 
we always sort of felt like, um, without being too specific, that uh, Olivia would probably tend to swing that way. Um, but we have also there is there literally are scripts and pages written about when Ramsey was back in time for with all that time with Olivia uh, and what might have happened between the two of them. So, but I think ultimately, uh, sexuality. I, I, and, I, and by the way, Allison, jump in because you've created this character even more so than I have. That it, it, sexuality is not. It, it's almost an experiment for Olivia. Like she wouldn't really quite, you know what I mean? Know what to do because ultimately she's almost she's Olivia sexual. You know what I mean? She's, if you could classify her or her orientation, she's just sort of narcissistically focused on her own agenda. I don't know. That's kind of how I viewed her. Although, again, we definitely were like, if she was going to do, if we were going to do it, she was definitely probably predisposed to be with a woman. So I don't know. It seems like she would have just basically been incapable of forming a human connection or bond with anyone. Yeah. I mean, look, if she's going to do it, it would be with Jones for sure. I think, I think so. So I think that's why I say it's like, you're, you're right. And you're, and look, it's art. If you want to view it that way, for sure. Yeah. Right. Write The, the Jones, Olivia fan fiction and please send it to me. Um, but, uh, but I, but it's not, you know what I mean? It, it, it the show has never, we, 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 have never been a terribly sexy show, um, and I'm and I, I think back on it, even even the Cole and really like the big hookup is more passionate than it is sexual. It's more of like, my God, we've been through so much, we love each other so much. It's 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 this ultimate form of passion, um, mm-hmm. and it's never just been a sexy show because there was something about the stakes in this show that that it felt almost wrong to like take 10 minutes and bang. I don't know why I threw that number out there, but let's just go with 10 minutes for a second. Um, <laughs> like, uh, it's like but a you know what I mean? Like situation it, or I, I'm just, I, you know what I mean? But it, <laughs> I'm not saying that's my time clock. I'm just saying, oh, you know, there's only a lot of screen time you can have, but it, it felt it. And we, we talked about it a lot. And, um, Season one has almost nothing, you know, in that regard. So um, it just felt, you know, I don't know, like the TV, you know, you ever stop, you ever watch one of these shows, um, maybe a a certain show that airs on Hulu um, once a week and suddenly they're having sex and you're like, oh, I don't feel good about this. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they kind of just shoehorn this in and I don't buy it. Like. Maybe it's a show about a traumatized woman uh, who's kept like I don't know. I just never buy the stuff with June and Nick. Am I, am I specific enough now? Um, <laughs> no, I was so so lost. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's not lost. It's not lost. <laughs> it's a different show. Uh, but you know what I mean. Like, you ever feel like oh, the writers needed they, like they like were getting off on writing a sec. I don't know. I, I, I so like I don't you know. Hear sexy it, guitar, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> what is going on? It can be gratuitous. It can absolutely be gratuitous in yeah. yeah. shows. So we well, didn't yeah. do very much of it. Much, you know. I think if we had two more seasons, probably you would have 
you know, seen a lot more of that. Um, but uh, yeah, so there you go. Well, I think, I mean, that's one of the reasons I liked the show because there's not that gratuity on it and there's not that the obligatory, well, the network said we had to put this in. So, you know, let's get yeah. it in there. Um, and, and that's what I like. You can't ever see, I, I think anyone seeing Olivia, like if ever saw Olivia having sex, I just wouldn't buy her anymore. Um, cause that's just, yeah. I don't know. She's above that. And it, it, if it was with anybody, you know, she would be looking at what her agenda is. It wouldn't be for her pleasure. It would be for, well, this get, you know, I go, I do A to get to B. Right. And, and uh, she's transcended in that regard. Like, yeah. So she, yeah, she's really, I, I think she's above it. Um, and if we ever saw Olivia do that, I think it discredits her. There's nothing wrong with sex, obviously. But in this instance, when somebody has this higher purpose to take time to, you know, do that, it's just, um, I'd be just like, oh, come on. You Even know? the way she got pregnant in the fourth season was very. Yeah. Uh, sort of transactional. Uh, like, for sure. Like, yeah, and it wasn't. <laughs> yes, literally. Yeah, literally yeah. transactional. But, yeah. but we had, we, I mean, Allison was very passionate about who the father was. Like, she, wa- she would make sure that that father was a worthy John. That would, yeah, that he, it wouldn't just be anyone. I know. I, I thought Terry was kidding. He was like random John. And I was like, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i was i was a little you know random john is the title of this podcast guys yeah <laughs> there you go random john well so, i mean i think that i mean all i mean yeah that all makes sense what it's so interesting about that almost like this discipline of purpose and not allowing yourself pleasure or love or you know human connection is something olivia points out at the very end of the series when she's you know at the countdown clock with Cassie is she doesn't have a red forest moment. Um, And it's, you know, I think in part because she hasn't let herself have those moments. And so there are some lines in this episode, um, whether it's, I tried to live a life without purpose. uh, The world felt small, ordinary, fragile, um, and playing God lacks ambition. Why play it something when you can become it? Um, do either of you have any thoughts on this, right? It's the flip side. It is this being driven by this singular purpose. And yet there's nothing that she like actually would derive a benefit from it other than attaining it. If that makes sense. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we don't really know Olivia's, yeah, she, there's really no benefit for her, for the red forest, I think, unless Terry has more on that, maybe it's, um, that's too simplistic, but I think, I mean, for, for me, just as a person, I find Olivia inspiring, um, in her discipline and, and because the world does seem small and fragile if you don't have some kind of a purpose, um, you know, whether that purpose changes, um, or is different, you know, for me, I've had, a few different purposes, um, you know, in, in my life and, um, and each has driven me in a really beautiful way. And without it, you know, it just, it's almost not as worth living. And so I definitely understand Olivia's, um, function there, you know, um, 
And I think, too, I mean, she was taught to have this purpose. The Red Forest was her purpose from from conception and um and she did everything in her power to make it happen so really i mean you just got to keep going because you've wrecked everything along the way you can't really quit now right it's interesting though that it's her older self that did that from the very beginning you Mm -hmm. know it was Mm -hmm. always her pushing her oddly enough (laughs) yeah but isn't that also just described the huh you guys just described the plot of toy story 4 by the way of purpose, <laughs> and in, in a way that made me that makes me really get choked up. Oh. It's all about Woody and his purpose. I'm serious. It, it's really oh. good. It's really really powerful. Those movies. Uh, but those anyway, movies are. But, I love those mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. Um, um, Terry, did you have any thoughts about that? <clears throat> uh no. I would agree with it. I I, I would agree. And, and you know, again, these were all things. You know, there was there was quite quite a bit. Um, quite a bit of water for this episode to carry. Um, uh, Chris Monfett, who wrote the episode is um, a very sort of poetic writer who, who some of these um, turns of phrase that, that you're quoting back are, are, are all very much him. Uh, mm-hmm. And he did, uh, it was one of those few scripts that come in and you're like, Oh, thank God. I don't have to do very much to this. Um, and, and it was exactly the kind of thing that you, that that it needed to be it was um it was a bottle episode so in it's inherently a stage play uh and it's the first meeting of these two titanic characters mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so you needed it to be um you needed it to propel the plot forward you needed to, to understand uh olivia you needed to understand what jones felt about olivia and then it needed to just be Good popcorn. Um, so this this is act, this is one of my favorite episodes. I love the stuff with her, uh, with Olivia and Cole and Cassie, or Olivia and Cole. Cassie's not there, um, and then Olivia and Jones, um, and then even the torture sequence. I, I love the uh, there. There's one shot of Allison where she's being tortured, and then they pause, and then she turns and smiles, and the blood just comes oh, pouring out of her oh, mouth, and yeah. you're just like. And I remember, I remember, uh, I was at the monitor and I forget who I turned to. I was like, this is gonna work. (laughs) Um, you know, because there was, I remember, I remember at the uh, earlier pitching it to the studio, I was like, the main villain is Olivia. And they were like, wait, what? And I was like, yes, main villain is Olivia. And they're like, well, it's the striking woman. I mean, she's cool and all, but the witness, I'm like, just trust me. I've got a plan. We're going to, by the time we turn that card, we'll have earned Olivia in such a way. Um, I was pretty confident that we could do that, that across that season, by the time she broke out and was standing in Titan with that knife to Joan's stomach, you were going to be like, uh-huh, yep, that's the main villain. Um, right. And yeah. we only had 10, I mean, we only had 10 hours to do it, but I knew we could. Um, so, and, and that, that begins here in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you, if you spend, you're watching it and you, uh, the whole time, like, until you get to that, that scene where she's been locked away for three months, you feel this sort of helpless, like, dude, how does she still have the upper hand <laughs> when she's the <laughs> one, right, in the cage? That, that particular dungeon scene when they opened it up, again, that's one of those that we were kind of wondering about 
obviously, you know, she told Ramsey, yep, I know it's got to hurt. I can handle it. Is there any piece of that that's true? Or is she just a wonderful actress in selling it? Well, <clears throat> You mean when me, she was locked in the dungeon for Yes. Yeah. Months? For, with the rats? Yes. With the rats, yeah. Um, yeah. I call that the plague day. Because <laughs> um, I was in my bare feet <laughs> on this, like, oh, the worst. I had to, like, get it was the at, It was at the... That was the yeah. location too, right? Wasn't it at yeah, the herm yeah. that was at the and, actual? And they couldn't—they couldn't put anything to protect my feet because you could see it on camera. So I was, you know, I was like, okay, well, just don't oh, worry about it. God. And uh, I was like, oh boy, hopefully. Um, so yeah, I call it the plague day. Um, but for me as an actor, it was true um, because I can't play. I can't pretend. You know what I mean? Play fake emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned that early on as an actor. From uh, I think I was auditioning for for some show where I was like the maid, and but it turned out I was the killer. And my coach at the time said, you know, don't play that. Just be in the scene where I was. I don't know I was being questioned and I was upset. And I never forgot that lesson. And so, from an acting point of view, that was completely real. When Jones cleans me up, it's completely real. Um, and I don't think that it. Uh, I think it being real for Olivia too is doesn't mean she has lost any kind of control. Um, mm. I think um, real, real emotions are part of a manipulator's toolbox. And um, so I, I don't think her feeling real emotions means that she lost any of the upper hand that she had during that entire season. We had a kind of a random question that came up last week. Was she eating the rats? Oh, I think yes. so. Okay. Yeah. 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 I always thought so too. Um, here's she has an iron constitution. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was like, Maybe and there was water. Was we we worked it out. Heads off. I'm like, what? <laughs> and you see a pipe. That's where she got water. Um, it's not. Yeah, it's a bad situation. Yeah, and it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, kind of a random question that just popped into my head when you were talking about all that, especially with the manipulation. Do you have any thoughts on how Jennifer turns out to be the one that can like always see through Olivia and attempts to warn people and it seems to not do any good? Me or Terry? That might be a better Terry. Well, I think, I mean, I wouldn't say always because remember, Jennifer was very very manipulated by olivia oh sure sure but after that i mean once she kind after of like that, got her number then that was it she was yeah i think i think it. once once uh olivia had manipulated jennifer to you know possibly go release the plague uh i i th- and then they kind of talked uh jennifer back to her crazy um you know i that then i think she you know and i think the more Jennifer was surrounded by friends, the more sanity she had, um, you know, and helped clarify her sort of primariness. Uh, so then it was, no, no, I know, I know this is, you know, this is, this is, this is my ex who did this to me. This is an abusive, this is an abusive thing. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I always, I always wonder about, like when I see on Twitter, but it's like, Jennifer, Jennifer's my favorite. Jennifer's my favorite. Like Jennifer had a plane full of plague and was going to kill all of you. So like it's something that you know, just, just keep it keep it in the back of your mind um, when, when she's your favorite. Okay, but she's who a, hasn't had the plague that they released to kill I guess, all of us? I, I mean, I suppose. Yeah. It's not like we have good choices here. This is true. 
Yeah. This is true. I know. We've even got our hero being like, this is not the way. And you think, oh, he also has a moral objection. Nope. He just thinks you're doing right. it wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's a line that is sort of breathtaking when you rewatch it now. So you've got Olivia talking to Jones and she's needling her about Hannah. Yeah. And she says, love the purpose, not the girl. And that line after the season four episode, Daughters, where you have Olivia and Emma in sort of in parallel story to Jones and Hannah. And mm. you, you know, you have like this direct comparison of one daughter raised sort of with love without a particular purpose. And then on the other hand, you've got Emma, who Olivia almost kind of continues this tragic cycle of how she was raised, right? Like some of the language even is Emma is in a box. It's all about learning. Um, she doesn't receive much in the way of love from her mother and, you know, has to sort of face that when she sees Jones being tortured over and over again with sort of the image of her daughter being killed. That line now, do you guys have any... I guess sort of it, – it's a question for both of you because it is sort of tragic how Olivia repeats this with her own daughter. But I'm also just curious, Terry, how you all came up with the idea of that being part of Olivia's story in season four. Um, Allison, did you have anything you wanted to uh, – No, you, I think you, you can – you start that off. I, uh, you want me to feel uh, – I, I think um, – it's a great line, and it is uh, something very clearly manipulative and, and weirdly like uh, sisterly, too, to suggest to um, Jones um, that it, it, it is it is definitely a betrayal of um, not a betrayal, but uh, a um, a window into. Olivia's mindset with relationships and human beings, specifically family. Um, but at that exact moment, were we sure about the Emma story? I can't remember. I don't believe so. Um, I, we had talked about, oh, you know, maybe we did, we had talked about, uh, we had a few different versions of Olivia having a, a child in her past. Um, and I, I, there's an entire story break that, boy, I would love to dig up, but I wish we had done it. It was really interesting. Um, it was the entire episode was um, took place after Olivia left the Army of the Twelve Monkeys and tried right. to be a human being. Um, and it was like her at a bar in Europe meeting a guy and like trying that out. And then her meeting a woman and trying that out and just trying to feel something. And then ultimately she had a child. And there was a few takes on how dark that got. Um, we, uh, so we might have known at that point that that was that we were going, we were heading in that direction um, with her. But uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it's sort of like what Allison said earlier. When um, what we've established with uh, Olivia to begin with is she just doesn't do anything without a purpose, um, and you know. A dot in her eyes, Hannah is a you know biological accident, you know, um, and so uh, that that Hannah offered a purpose to Jones that would lead to the creation of time travel, you know, and that that was that was a bigger accomplishment than you know pushing out a child. Um, 
so I think all that's kind of in the uh, in the essence of what we were trying to say there. Yeah, and I think that in that, sense. yeah, um, I, and I think in that moment too, it was you know, I think the was it the line uh, the line Joan they're talking and she's and I say you love the purpose more than the girl. That's the line you're talking about. Is that right? Admit it, yeah, admit it, Katarina, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you love yeah. the purpose more more than the girl. And I mean, because I have to, I think, I'm not Jones or Hannah, obviously, but I would imagine that Hannah is a real source of pain for Jones because on one hand, it's her daughter and, and you know, you love your children uh, with this infinite, mysterious, indescribable kind of love. And um, at the same time, um, I'm right. Olivia's right. You know, she chose the purpose over Hannah and and so I'm digging knives in and I'm creating doubt and I'm um creating little rifts and and thoughts and you know and again that's what a manipulator does and as for you know my own child again I mean I, I my life is about the purpose I had her for the purpose I told me to have a child um before the red forest for you know to serve this purpose and i think olivia does struggle or did struggle obviously with with the feelings that she had for her daughter but um in the end she she can't like there's no olivia just doesn't know how to um live life it's all about the purpose and um so that i think i think emma was was probably the biggest uh emotional distraction for for her but in the end you know she she chose the purpose over the girl as well um and uh, i think that's why she can needle jones so much about it and it also speaks to jones i mean uh jones her whole point was i want you know i want to save the life of my daughter so i'm going to create time travel and then she does get her daughter back you know but her daughter ends up being this you know wild you know (laughs) uh amazon woman raised by an old Jennifer Goines um, and kind of sulks around in a functionally depressed kind of way. Um, and there is no real connection um, no. because of, because of the nurture. So there's a part of Jones that, that probably is m- angry that Olivia is right, that the purpose actually had more, had more passion than this relationship she has with her daughter, the daughter. Um, and who she doesn't quite, you know, and then, then later on in that episode, Hannah does sort of prove that she knows her pretty well saying like, I know you're not just Dr. Grimm, the torture person. I know that's not who you are. Um, so it kind of arcs a little bit nicely there, but, um, it speaks to a lot of truths. Um, though there was also some really interesting, you know, this is a creation of sort of one Dr. Frankenstein talking to the other Dr. Frankenstein. And there's some really great, um, Olivia describes herself, or she talks about how her father used to tell her the story of Gollum Mm -hmm. and that then she would try and breathe life into, you know, her stuffed animal. I mean, you're, you know, now that you know, but I mean, now that you know that like she's our main like villain, even in those kind of small moments you're like god but she was just a little girl like in this box with her father slash creator talking to her through one way you know one way glass um did you all terry did you all like 
purposefully sort of play with this like Frankenstein creature not knowing their purpose in the world because it's it's kind of a recurring it comes up a lot across sort of all three seasons. Yeah, uh, yes, but not as overt, I think, as uh, as the analysis might betray. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 really wasn't. I mean, yes, I mean the the the, the Frankenstein allegory is totally relevant, um, but I think mostly because they deal in similar themes, not specifically us, you know, uh, trying to pay homage or crib you know mary shelley i think it's um it's just one of the the things that i loved most about this show um which was once the more tangled you got with the time travel and you know uh olivia uh, olivia sends the messengers back in time to to do these things and one of those messengers in fact becomes her sort of quasi mother uh genetic donor so in a weird way, Olivia creating the messengers sort of makes her her own mother. It's just fucking great <laughs> stuff to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then you get Jones, who is this, who's manipulating time uh, to to save the world, but really to save her daughter, um, uh, and has all these other fucked up issues, and is you know was willing to to, to throw. Uh, men into a grinder to do it. Uh, you know, it's you get these yeah. two people in a room. They should have a lot to talk about. That's you know, and in and different than other shows. You know, they they uh, they the sh- the show gave you an opportunity to talk about purpose and family and love in 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 ways that you don't normally get to do on a linear, much linear, untangled way. Um, so, uh, I guess that's all my way of, of saying, uh, yes and no, that, 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 the, the Frankenstein themes were, were there, we were aware of it, but it always felt like we were doing our own thing, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Allison, I, even though you all don't have scenes together in this episode, we wanted to ask you about Olivia's relationship with the pallid man. Um, right. <laughs> just not only because those scenes with Tom Noonan watching the two of you are so fun, but also they, uh, when you go back and realize that Olivia is manipulating the pallid man as much, right? And telling, like, yeah. feeding his ego and saying, no, it's you who's running things. Um, and you kind of, I mean, at least I particularly with the way the pallid man kind of treats her when she's in the wheelchair in season two, as much as I'm like not rooting for the witness, I'm still rooting for her to take down her brother. If that makes sense. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So if you just sort of have any thoughts about sort of their relationship and their rivalry and sort of the different ways they approach their faith or their crises of faith. Well, I mean, I, it's a bit of a funny relationship. And I mean, you know, because I don't, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of how much I know about my relationship with pallid man. Um, I just, I, I kind of just know what was happening in the scenes. And then obviously the, the fact that I was manipulating him all along, I mean, he's not a super nice brother. Um, and I just know it, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot of discussion between Tom and I about our relationship or, you know, um, I think we, uh, our dynamic 
just, you know, we just kind of went into it and, and did our thing and it happened to work. Um, but it wasn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't really get into a lot of big discussions about, you know, our relationship. It was, that was more done discussions with writers or, you know, with Terry or, or directors, you know, um, I think certainly Olivia is very pleased to get hers in the end. Um, and, uh, just kind of get him out of the way because I think for her, he's just, he's, he's a bit of, um, dead weight, no pun intended, you know? Um, kind of a that, nuisance. Uh, yeah, that, that she just needs to get rid of. So I think it's just better for her. He doesn't serve the purpose very well. He, he did for a while, but only, for her, I think in a, in a small way. And, and then he doesn't anymore. I totally didn't answer your question. <laughs> no, you, you did. did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's interesting because they don't, I mean, again, if you can't build a human connection, how would you have one with him? And he seems kind of the same way in a lot of ways. So it's like more, the um, interactions are more based in like the zealotry of the whole thing. Yeah. Than actually yeah. being, you know, like a, a one-on-one connection saying yeah again (laughs) yeah yeah so Allison we wanted to ask you because you played so many different you know Olivia when you watch the whole thing all over again Olivia's character journey so many different stages Mm -hmm. did you have one in particular that was your favorite to play and sort of on the other side of that that you found the most or that you found the most challenging well I loved season three I loved this episode um in particular, it was just, you know, I was really proud of my work in it. And I, you know, worked very hard to find the level and the tone that that was needed for her. And um, so I was very, very proud of my work in season three. Um, and in season four, I struggled a lot, um, especially at the beginning. Yeah, for the first uh, few episodes, which I mean, the, the witness does anyway. So perhaps... I was just feeling empathetic towards Olivia and her struggle, but um, I really struggled. I, I wasn't sure and I didn't know if it was any good and, and I, I, I just wasn't feeling great about it. Um, but that's also Olivia's journey. She's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not very good at this whole witness job. Um, that's exactly so, the story. Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty fantastic. In a way yeah. that, that 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 worked out for you. I mean, that's that's the, that's the arc of, of 403 is sort of you know how the witness got her groove back. You know, it's uh, she mm-hmm. she comes in being like, "Wait, I'm the witness. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll try and uh, fake it till I make it," um, and then she has to make it. So, and I think you know, I yeah, I don't know. I I, I think um, your work is outstanding in season four. Oh, thank you. Same. Thank, thank goodness. Cause, also, you know. the interesting part about that, and I'm not saying by any means that men don't deal with it, but it seems that that's such an integral matter of kind of being a woman in our society that you are always struggling with, like, can I really do this? Am I, you know, good enough? Like, professionally even. Yeah, it's like and imposter so to, syndrome. Yeah, yeah so to yeah. see that even from someone who – you know, ultimately ends up with all this power, but is still just kind of stumbling through it all. That's something that, you know, that's easy to empathize with all the way through. I think for sure. I think that's very well articulated. 
Yeah, I, I, it's funny because even though we're cheering, obviously we're rooting against, well, maybe most people are rooting. We have some <laughs> folks that are big Red Forest fans. Are um, they? Oh, goodness. <laughs> that are root- but I know that I personally, that moment at the very end of season three, you wanted the witness to return. She has. I was <laughs> yeah. fist pumping and the most messed up feminist moment I've maybe ever had watching TV. Um, Allison, do you have any thoughts about sort of as an actress getting to like play this, the main antagonist and sort of just generally about how this show portrayed women and how it's, you know, whether it's at all like sort of distinct from other things we consume um, in TV and film. I think it's incredibly distinct. Um, and and I think 12 Monkeys is ahead of its time. I mean, really, if you think about it, I'm trying to think of all the characters, but anybody in a position of power or influence or of import um, is a woman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have Jones, you have Olivia, you have Rayleigh, you have Jennifer, you know, I mean, right away, the, you know, the, movie that this was inspired by you know the character was changed from a man to a woman the brad pitt character and 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 i just i think that's incredible and it's not women in positions of power and they wear short skirts and they're super sexy and you know they have a lot of sex and you know this is women in positions of power and their purpose uh, you know is is higher than that and i i think that's incredibly rare and um, I, I, I feel very privileged to have been part of a show where women are showcased for the smart um, and, and beautiful and soulful and complicated uh, leaders that we really are. Yeah, they're forever just getting shit done. Like, <laughs> totally. It's serious. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you have to make hard decisions in order to get, you know, to get things done. And Jones was faced with that over and over again. Rayleigh was faced with that over and over again. Jennifer, Olivia, you know, all of these incredible women were faced with making choices that may not uh, keep them liked, uh, but for a greater good as they as they perceived it. Because obviously everyone's idea of what is the greater good is different in 12 Monkeys. Yeah. Do you, um, I feel like now Terry gets mad at us when we ask this question, but <laughs> we, we had so many people like, ask what? us to ask it. The question, do we need to ask the witness if she thinks Cassie is the true witness? In other words, do you think that Cassie stopped the countdown and everything that we see and sort of the epilogue and the coda is real or do you think we're in that red forest ending that Shantretta has come on and talked to us about on the podcast? I think she needs a little bit more context. So uh, there are, okay, there are uh, a significant portion of the fans who believe it. the show ended with a happy ending, myself yeah. included. And yeah. then there's Sean, um, and you know a few other darker souls out there who believe <laughs> who believe that that it really at the end they're all trapped in the red the red forest and that Olivia never turned the the thing off and allowed the red forest to happen. So, what shade is your soul, Alice? <laughs> <laughs> well, this um, is unfair. You can't. No, well, I like know that. because now what am I supposed to say? But no, no Alice would be honest. <laughs> exactly. No, I. Still honest. Uh, I agree with Terry. Um, in all honesty, um, I do believe it, it was a happy ending. I, I don't. It doesn't totally make sense if they were in the red 
for it. I mean, I guess it could because in in some views, the Red Forest, you know, is the end of pain and is the end of time and is sort of this infinite thing. But um, I I think it happened as it was shown. Um, I I so I I agree with Terry. I don't think they're in the Red Forest. No, I don't think those characters arc. If it is the Red Forest, That's yeah. My biggest my biggest problem is I think there's something about um, Cassie just deciding to do that. That yeah, you know what I mean. Like they, they all their are all their conclusions are artificial in a way that's I don't know. That's, yeah, it's just kind of a big loop of like okay, nothing right. kind of happened. Sorry. It mean it oh, means no, it means Cole gave that tearful speech to her on that balcony and she was like, eh. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> this guy again, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah no, I, I I side with uh you know that they won, you know, and good prevailed in the end. Especially if you're gonna end up like in the Himalayas anyway. Ooh, you know what? Their ending. I, I will give you I'll give you uh uh, okay, here's a little behind-the-scenes tidbit. Um, it, I toyed with, for a very long time, um, when you saw everybody's happy endings, that, and I, I couldn't make this work in a way that would make sense, um, was that you would be, the camera would be, you know, you, you'd have Cassie's voiceover, she's talking about deacon and you'd see jones you see all these people and you saw you were coming up through this diner to this long-haired waitress who turned around and it was olivia smiling and just living a normal life and it didn't make sense because she was a gin um and in in that you would have to have rationalized that time in some way gave her a um gave her a pass and managed to make her exist in some strange way. Um, uh, but I couldn't. I just, it didn't, it was so, her seeing her in the snow with that beautiful shot of her, like, becoming the thing, it was just the right, the right button. But, yeah. you know, the, uh, and I think maybe my desire to write that came from my affection for Olivia. Um, and uh, and and wondering if she, if, if she went on. Um so anyway, that it it didn't happen for the right reasons, but right. yeah, like you said though, because especially when you work it into the mythology that the reason Cole is allowed to exist is because Jones did something specific with the code, yeah. then you can't just bring her in and say, "Oh, but she's also here too." Right. Yeah. Oh, but at the same time, that would have been such an adorable scene. Yeah. Yeah, because we yeah. do. I mean, we do have a lot of. I mean, that's the thing. You know, I think part of Allison is it's you and part of it is also the writing. She is an antagonist or I don't even like to call her a villain, you know, because we go on this journey with her. That's really unique. Um, And it's absolutely understandable why she does everything she does. Yeah. Yeah. Because of her upbringing. I mean, it's not like, Oh my gosh, she's just bad. It's like, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I I love Olivia. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, uh, so, I, and, and Sean did she, she, we all we all really loved her. I, I mean, she she there's a lot of times when just Olivia is just straight up right about everyone. Yeah. Um, and there's so many great moments. <laughs> my, one of my favorite moments is from the finale is when Jennifer goes into the the house that's in between time and it's like, "Hi, honey, I'm home." And Olivia is there just watching 
just straight faced, like, try what is this fucking idiot doing here? <laughs> and, and, and it's just like we're all wondering, and she's not moving, she's not blinking, she's just like, Where is this going? Um, it there, there is a, a, there, she, she's just not a black, I mean, she become. I, I think once she cuts off Deacon's head, although, you know, look, she, Deacon had it coming. I mean, Deacon was trying to play her, you know what I mean? Like, you know, whatever. So, I don't know. The, the, she's, <laughs> Olivia's, uh, I, and it's funny, you, uh, Allison kept the coat, but as you guys all know, and, and I think Allison is probably weirded out by is, I have the witness in my office. Um, her whole outfit on a on a on a thing. Um, so I I, I pretty much live with the witness on a daily basis. <laughs> Allison, you mentioned costumes, and you go uh-huh. on a costume journey in this show. You go from sort oh, yeah. of professional chic, where I was like, man, I wish I had that. Like, yeah, me too. Leather yeah. dress to wear to work. Um, and then you've got this seemed kind of in this episode. It was like post apocalypse yoga chic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then you get to do like medieval armor where it looks like it's like something from Lord of the Rings and that's amazing. And then you wear like the iconic witness mask and the cloak. Yeah. Do you have a favorite costume where you were just like, this is really fun. I get to play in this kind of day. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, the, the medieval outfit was pretty cool because there was so much thought that I had like five or six fittings yeah. for that from inception to like literally it was just like patches on a suit to okay, this piece, this piece, this piece, this and like drawings and then fittings in Prague. And then, you know, the, the only thing I didn't do was try and ride a horse in the armor. And it turned out you need to practice that ahead of time. Ooh, yeah, and not just do that on the day because you can't get off the horse. Just an FYI. <laughs> um, and Is it so, heavy? yeah. Well, I couldn't. I was like, oh, I'm on the horse, and you were gonna shoot me getting off the horse and walking, you know. And and I was like, I I literally can't dismount. Um, Better off and, than uh, on, though. <laughs> well, seriously, yeah. So that was really amazing, and just the mask itself. And the cloak. I really did love wearing those. Um, and I loved, you know, the outfit that was designed for, you know, for sort of pre-cloak, like, you know, the sort of matrixy looking uh, suit. I mean, there were just so many amazing costumes that you often don't get to wear as an actor. Um, and I mean, I got to wear them all. So, yeah, it was it was really lovely. I want to I want to tell you about the only time Allison threw a fit. <laughs> the only time Allison was like, no fucking way was uh we had a a heavy day um we we never had enough time to shoot the show because we had no money to make it uh where uh this in order to avoid costume changes we were going to put somebody else in the witness outfit to do a shot um and put that mask on uh while allison was doing something else and my phone blew the fuck up where Allison was like <laughs> nobody gets to wear that mask but me I am the witness and I was like I, you know what I love that that's awesome and we're gonna make that happen for you and so we, we yeah. did we changed the schedule to to make it happen you know but I, I love because look a lot of actors would be like fine please get you know um like on the latest Star Wars show, there's this whole they're doing a Mandalorian uh, thing, the Boba Fett outfit, and the main yeah. actor's never in that suit. 
the guy who's going to play him with the mask off doesn't play it for 90% of the show. But so to have Allison be like, no, anytime you saw her sitting there, that was Allison suffering in this mask that you cannot breathe in. Um, You can't breathe in. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she, she was such a trooper. I don't, you know, Allison put her heart and soul into that. Um, and it's yeah. on the screen. That's really embodying Olivia, though, because she would not have that. Nope. No. <laughs> and not it wouldn't sending be... a henchman, like, you know, yeah. wear her thing. No way. And there's a way that you sit, too. I mean, these were important shots. There was a lot of push-ins on the camera, little head tilts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, because you can feel it coming through. If, if it's a body double... I, I, w- I wouldn't be able to watch it without, you know, it's the way she sits, it's the head tilt, mm-hmm. it's the way you breathe, and you can see it, or I can, through the mask. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way that um, <laughs> somebody else is going to do that. Um, so, yeah, I did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and we had established the way that sort of Zen yoga sit down in, when, from season three when she'd be in the middle of the cell. And that, like, yes. like in, that, in Olivia's throne room, we, like, there was there was talk of building a throne for her, a chair, and and we we're like, no, one, it feels predictable. Too, it's like there's something really cool about her just sitting on this, like you know, lotus style, like sitting mm-hmm. on this pedestal. It would be more yeah. iconic, and and the way Boris uh, would lit that thing with those shafts of light, it was just like yeah. it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And particularly because we we're gonna see her in that next. Right in these episodes, we see her in that position. So it's like she's the witness, but we've seen her sitting like that. And yeah, um, I there was a really fun, um, some really fun behind the scenes photos of that look like sort of like I don't know if it was when you were rehearsing your sort of final fight with Amanda Scholl, like the yeah. final a li- long coming Olivia and Cassie. It's another one where as a woman, I'm fist pumping because the final big, you know, fights oh, yeah. between two women, right? So do you have a – it looks like that was a ton of work and physically demanding. Oh, um, yeah. It was – you know, the, the hardest thing about that – I like physically demanding things, and it, you know you, your adrenaline's going. You don't feel anything. Like if you bruise on the day, you don't feel that until like the, a day later when you're covered in bruises. Um, but um, the only demanding thing was, you know, as Terry said, there wasn't a lot of money, and so we learned that on the day, and we did not have much time and to rehearse it. Um, and you know, you, uh, like I have to be believable as a bionic woman and um and so that was the only difficult thing about you know that i mean and you do it a lot in the day or or when you have to cut it up to making it look real but otherwise amanda is just always such a lovely person to work with and so you know i think we both really looked forward to this you know olivia and rayleigh climax yeah. Um, well, so before, we want to have a chance just to ask both of you about um, where we will be able to either see you, Allison, or Terry, see your work next. Um, before we jump to that, just sort of close out, Terry, we want, I wanted to ask just um, sort of where we are in the season, because you, I think you'll come back to chat with us for 307. This was also a really big episode for Deacon. Mm. And sort of the beginning of our farewell for now to Ramsey. Yeah. Um, so if you had any thoughts about either of those characters. Yeah, well, uh, initially, um, 
you we want we we had written the reveal that Deacon was still alive. I think it's on the deleted scenes. If you guys don't have the um, American Blu-ray, you, um, listeners, you should get it because there is a lot of del- you guys could probably do a podcast on all the Blu-ray deleted scenes. There's so much there. Um, don't there, challenge us. There was a there was a there is a reveal of Deacon um, that was supposed to be in the second episode. Um, ultimately, uh, I. I I knew I wanted to do this this reveal with him, and we we knew we were doing the bottle, and it was about going to be about his father and who he was. Um, so I had called Todd and said, "Okay, uh, the bad news is you're not in episodes one and two, which was fine because he you know he gets paid for everything, so he gets paid to sit those out. Um, but uh, but you know he wants to be with everybody, but you know you can't service every character. You want and and when he shows up you want him to ha- want it to have impact but we're gonna do the good news is we're gonna do this stage play with about you and you we want you to play your father are you up for it and he's like fuck yeah i'm up for it and i'm gonna go <laughs> tr- train he tra- i mean he transformed himself into yeah. some into somebody who looks like they've been working out in a prison uh uh you know uh in the basement of titan uh, and it, it's just one of those great things. We had an incredible, this cast was just filled with incredible collaborators who were passionate about their characters. And so Todd was able to do that. And I, and, and, uh, I wasn't, I, I believed it could work, but it wasn't really until I saw the cut. Uh, it, I, 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 I had made this last minute change to the script where, uh, it was this, this whole thing is like, you even look like me. Um, and he's like, I actually, I don't. And you saw this whole other actor and you realized yeah. it was this whole other projection. And then he sings the song, you know, the dad sings the song. The first time I saw it, I was legitimately like wiping tears. And I was like, I can't believe we pulled this off. Um, cause there's, it's not a lot of screen time, you know, to, to, to tell that story. Um, with emotional impact, but you know Todd was just wonderful, and and um, and the script was great, and and it it, it just it, it worked. So that anyway, so that's that's Deacon uh, Ramsey uh, was yeah we you know if we could hide the ball if you didn't know that I thought you knew going into this episode that Ramsey and Olivia were up to something, but if you were surprised, then I'm I'm even prouder. At the end, where you're, was, you're, yeah. you're like, oh, we're gonna go do this thing. Um, and again, someone asked, um, why not kill young Cole in the last podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, he Ramsey's never gonna kill Cole. Like he's never gonna do that. So it makes it's far more makes far more sense for Olivia to say, you just go kill Cassie, who yeah. Ramsey already has many issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it was. You know, th- that was a tough, uh, that episode needed to work. That was a, the next one, Brothers, um, which came out amazing. Um, that that had a lot, that was a lot to do. Oh, one other thing, oh, just going back was, um, that I have talked about this before, but when Ramsey kills his uh, son in 302, well, that wasn't planned. Um, that was an onset choice, actually. It was Kirk's idea. Um, yeah. And initially... Sam just sort of passed right in front of him. And that always sort of bugged me that like, he just came in just in time 
for Sam to say a couple things and then love you. Dad. You know, <laughs> and uh, Kirk's was like, you know, if you had balls, you he would do this thing. Blah blah. He kind of challenged me. I was like, all right, motherfucker, you want to do it? And he was like, whoa, 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 what? And uh, I was like, let's do it. And I like, think I, I don't know if Sean was there. I think it was Sean might have been on set. And then like we got director David Grossman, and we we're like, we're gonna do this. And we're like. All right, let's just see. I mean, because you could always cut it if it didn't work, and and yeah. he can just die. Um, but the biggest issue, and then so Kirk's like, you know what? I got this. He went disappeared in his trailer to God knows what to get into that headspace. Came back and did it and and crushed it. Um, and the kid who played Sam was great too. Now mm-hmm. the biggest issue was uh, because it was something that I'd come up with on set. The studio and the network were not aware of this, so when they got the cut. They were like, what? <laughs> um, and and had a very bad reaction to it um, oh. and wanted to see it cut the other way. And I'm like, look, guys, it, it was my fault in the script. It doesn't make sense for the kid to just die. But I'll show you it. Um, and, you know, we did it. And then ultimately they agreed, or, yeah, the more powerful choice uh, is, is this. Um, you know, but it, it uh, it's it's not the best, you know, there's probably about a hundred, I think it was uh, John Rogers, screenwriter, he tweeted it, he's a, you know, famous showrunner and screenwriter on his own, it was like, there's about a hundred better ways for Ramsey to do this uh, than something, <laughs> of, something getting oh, his kid. But 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 we, 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 and we, but we, we talked about it, it was like, it doesn't feel right from the pull a gun and just go bang. Um, and, you know, so, I don't know, we, you know. Uh, I I was probably the most worried about that scene of all of all the scenes the show, actually, because it it was uh it was crazy. It was a little. It, I I I hate torture porn. You know, misery porn is yeah, not it's yeah. not something I, I enjoy. Um, and it just kind of goes right to that um to that line. Um, but we don't do it a lot too much. So there you go. I was able to stay in the room for it. I had to leave the room a lot, like with Ramsey Snow on Game of Thrones, you know. So well, yeah. I mean, but the <laughs> yeah. Ramsey Snow is just like, whew. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that actually leads though to to one question that is a little bit interesting. Yeah. We see Sam, mm-hmm. and he was essentially, or at least to some degree, raised by Olivia, by Olivia around yeah. her and whatever. Yeah. And he seems to have like good things to say about her. And it's the first person I think that we, or the only person to a large degree that we ever hear, like, giving her any sort of, like, respect or affection. And so how is that relationship different than, you know, Olivia and her daughter? Did she attempt to make a connection there or was that just more manipulation? Different point in her Yeah. Well, what do you guys think? I mean, I have, I have thoughts. Allison, do you want to? Well, you, you can, you tell your thoughts, Terry. Allison's trying to remember. She's like, "Oh yeah, did Olivia race <gasps> that kid?" <What laughs> no, <laughs> no. She's um because I, I heard this in the podcast. So the way I the way I looked at it is because she was there was a goal in mind to manipulate Ramsey that Olivia was putting on the act of a of a uh, of a of a you know solid Stewart you know if you will yeah well um and <clears throat> that when. Uh, the case with Emma, you know, Emma was truly flesh and blood hers. Yeah. Right. Um, there was 
there's too much of Olivia, I think, that she hates about herself to, you know, she probably saw, you know, anytime, anytime Emma showed any kind of weakness, uh, it infuriated Olivia because she was seeing glimpses of it in herself, you know, um, Mm -hmm. things that she was trying to eradicate. Um, So I think she was much harder. Although I think we did, and and I think, um, again, we had so many conversations about this. I'm just remembering on set, Allison. Like, there was a moment where, there's a few moments where you you can see that as harsh as Olivia is being to Emma, um, there is a part of her that does kind of feel bad, like, wants to connect, doesn't know how, you know. I'll let you speak to that. Oh, yeah, no, I think, I think that, I mean, you know, I think, again, Sam Sam is part of the bigger purpose picture. Um, And uh, so I think she, it's clear for Olivia, you know, um, the, the Sam, um, how she treated Sam, it's clearer for her. Whereas with Emma, it's not as clear emotionally for, for Olivia. She is part of the purpose, but it's her daughter. And so, you know, the emotion can get a little bit muddled and that trying to make a connection, but not knowing how and connection gets in the way or human connection can get in the way of the, the bigger picture of purpose for Olivia. So I think that for, for me, that would be the main difference. You know, when you say that, it makes me think of um, that wonderful scene that's between you and James Callis at the end of season three, mm-hmm. where Ethan says, um, but you are alone. And that is why you will ultimately lose. Do yeah. you think that's do you think that's her? F- you know, she's a flawless creation, but do you think that's at the in the end her sort of fatal flaw? I, well, I definitely think that that's um, that comment from from Ethan hits home Which is because my yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. She's like f you, you know, um, because he's right now. Whether like. I think it, losing is more of a fear at that point, but a fear that she has probably faced many, many times. But, you know, he is right and, and she is alone. And I think, um, I mean, everybody needs community, you know, and Olivia doesn't have that. Um, or if she does, it's just because, you know, the people don't want to be killed or they're, you know, kind of blindly following her uh, because they've been manipulated. And, and I think that that can be a very lonely thing. So I think it, it, it's a big part of certainly why she does fail. We don't see her really let those people in to any degree either. When you brought up Terry the throne, I was thinking, wow, there wouldn't be a throne in there because that's more like her inner sanctum. You know, people aren't coming in and out of there to like normally on a throne. That's where somebody's going to sit, that their subjects are going to come give them this respect and this adoration. But that's not what that place is for. Uh, yeah, well, sometimes they did. I mean, um, Ferran would go in there and, and advise her and, and then the elder, uh, would come in and, yeah. but, uh, it was only for the, uh, like the special people. Yeah. Yeah. No, you had to yeah. be very yeah. high ranking to go up there. Yeah. Um, Allison, do you have any, just, I, you know, we actually were remiss in not asking about Ramsey because I mean, in the story, that is a character she spends like. 20 years with um, and trains him in some ways watching them pull off this con together. It's kind of like watching the teacher and the student um, now working together to kind of pull this con on the group. Um, Do you have any thoughts sort of about this? It's a very complicated 
sometimes aligned but never really want to be – it doesn't ever, you know, feel like they actually want to be working together, but they're kind of stuck working together. Yeah. Well, I think Ramsey, you know, I can't necessarily speak for him, but, I, you know, I think that would definitely be true for him because he's constantly battling moral crossroads. You know, he's constantly at a, a fork in the road with his time with Olivia. Um and to be perfectly honest, I, I'm sure Terry knows, but I, I have no idea what Olivia and Ramsey did for those 20, 30 years um, that they that we don't see them. You know, um, uh, I know that they, you know, they work together in the um, uh, what, what was yeah, and um, but and then you know, kind of traveled together on the road of war. But um, I think it's. Olivia's, I think, is very is clearer about her about Ramsey's purpose in the picture than Ramsey. So I think it's clear for Olivia, but not necessarily for Ramsey. Yeah. By the way, speaking of that mansion, it's uh, if you guys are caught up on Handmaid's Tale, that is the uh, sort of Grand Marshal President of Gilead's house in the last episode. Oh. They're using monkey mansion. Yeah, yeah. They they had like they they spent half the episode in it, and the whole time I'm thinking that's Olivia's house. Get the fuck out of there. (laughs) (laughs) That's her room. That's where the bathtub was. Like the whole time. Oh, that's funny. It was that rando on Nikita first. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think that house is used for everything. Sure. Yeah. If you shoot Toronto long um, enough, you're shooting there. Yeah, you're shooting at the same. I yeah. The first was it the first season? Yes, it was the first season near the end. So, um, when we were shooting there, and it was uh, going to get very cold soon and the caretakers of the house had been feeding this cat outside and uh, they were worried about her in the cold and they said you know does anybody want to take her and of course I was like well come on now that I know that there's this cat so I helped trap this cat and uh, I was like you know I'll take her with fully the intention of just rehoming her um, because you know we had cats already but we never did rehome her, and I named her after the episode we were shooting at that time. So her name is Shonen. Are you serious? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, didn't you know that? I had. Yeah. I did not know that. You didn't know? I thought no. you knew that. No, um, maybe, yeah, maybe no, Shonen. That was like one of my, my bigger, you know, episodes. And um, yeah, yeah, so we have a, a little girl named Shonen. Wow. Yeah, so that's a little back... Uh, you know, backstage wow. tidbit. Yeah. Oh, that's that really so- cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's what, co- what, what color cat? Is it a black? She's cat? black and white. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Cute. She loves me. She, you know, she, she kind of sticks to her room and, you know, she doesn't really venture out a lot. We've had her for like five years and she really doesn't leave the one room. Um, but, uh, you know, she likes me and follows me around, but yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. So that's my 12 monkeys. I brought 12 monkeys home. Aww. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. I know that. One question, um, Allison, and you don't have to do this, I promise, but we oh. did ask Todd oh. when he was on oh, to Lord. sing. What? Is there any chance that we can get you to say the word of the witness like you did in the cage? Oh, they want okay. Oh, <laughs> so they want you to do the the Jennifer from causality. The Jennifer. Oh my lord! The word of the witness thing. Right? They want you to do. Oh, they the talk word. about it. They wanted you on this podcast for Forever. years. Forever. Before the show was even a thing. Oh really? 
Yeah. We just don't get to hear from you much. We never yeah. heard a lot of like, you know, conversations with you and we're like, we want to talk to her. Uh, <laughs> that was part of the reason we named the podcast. What we Oh, oh that well, I'm glad we could talk. Yeah, I'm uh, I I don't uh I'm a little shy where where matters like this are concerned and uh I'm not on social media or anything, so I can be a little hard to find. That's yes. probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think so. For my own sanity, I think it's mm, yeah. Yeah. it's uh, a good thing. Um, so, sorry, you want me to say the word of the wit? Not the whole thing. I don't remember it. No, 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 just no, no. Not not the, the witness, red forest prayer. But just they like want you to do. Out. They want you to do the Jennifer the Goins word moment of the witness. Yeah, yeah, that whole bit. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> oh man, this is three years ago, you guys. It's so you know, you get okay. I think I remember. Uh, the word of the witness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. She's, she's acting like she hasn't practiced that 50 times since now. Like, oh, it was uh, three years ago. It was, yeah. We thought, see, it's a, I didn't find out for a long time that that was you. I thought yeah. that Emily Hampshire was just like doing her narration and just no, kept I going. I think that you was know? the original I intent. I was like, they're like, no, it's Alice. And I was like, what? <laughs> the original, that was the original plan was we were going to dub over it with Emily's voice. But then I saw it and I was like, this is so much better. Yeah. So, so, uh, so there you have it. Yeah. Well, that's a good uh, episode. It worked. Yeah. It was so good. Aww, yeah, thank you that so was much. Fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Allison, where will we be able to see you next? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm up for a, uh, supporting on a Netflix show, but I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about it because <laughs> it's not <laughs> official. Um, and I was saying earlier that I've just been kind of – I stepped away for a bit. Um, and uh, much to my, my agent was just not happy with me at all. Um, and, uh, just kind of, uh, just took a, a bit of a break and did some other things. So I'm just stepping back in now. Um, and you know, my, so I've made my agent a little happier. Um, and, uh, so possibly on this Netflix show, but I can't tell you what it is because <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> But it's exciting that it could be coming soon. We'll have fingers yeah. crossed for that. Yeah. Terry, do you have any updates for us on, I on got sort of- uh, nothing at the moment. Uh, there's a bunch of – there's a lot of a lot of things. There's something I, – I, I don't want to jinx it, but there's there's something I'm, I'm hoping is going to be shooting an, uh, an original of mine by the end of the year. I'd like to take it to Toronto, which means you might – see Allison in that if she's not tied up in another (laughs) Netflix show and they say you can't have her Um, but uh, you know fingers crossed but things are are looking good on it Um, and then you know my day job is I'm I'm doing the CBS show uh, and there's there's a bunch of things so um, we'll see maybe not this guy could just be uh, you know doing the uh the 12 monkeys re rewatch podcast uh next year <laughs> no Two you're, times you're the charm <laughs> i can show you how to set up the microphone right. terry hey guys it'll just be terry yeah yeah it's just me guys guys anybody want to come on i'm like i'm like getting 
like the the boom operator, Jorge, anybody who can get. To, that would actually be great. That actually would, would be really interesting. Listen, yeah, we want to talk to literally everybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll still probably be doing this podcast by uh, next year because true. we talk for every episode for like five hours. I know. They're going to um, I'm sorry. Um, no, I love it. Well, don't put so much in there to talk about. Really, it's it's your. Um, <laughs> you can't take it back now, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right. So, uh, just since it is a little desolate, the last thing we want to ask each of you is if there's anything that you all have read recently or watched recently that you would recommend to Twelve Monkeys fans. Mm, okay. Well. T- 12 Monkeys fans. I mean, I, I'm sort of particular uh, um, about uh, what I – I'll have to think. Terry, do you have something that, and then I can think? Um, my uh, obsession du jour is Rick and Morty, um, <laughs> which a lot of it was airing when – some of it when I was doing 12 Monkeys. And in fact, I think our offices were next to the Rick and Morty offices, but um, – if you don't know, it's a, an amazing. You can you can find it on Hulu. It's an uh, an amazing Adult Swim cartoon that is a um, sort of a play on Doc Brown and Marty McFly. That's about this crazy inventor grandfather and his and his grandson Morty. But it is vulgar and foul, and it is some of the best science fiction um, that has ever been broken on television. And I mean that. And you guys. If you have the taste to watch 12 Monkeys and you've got a good sense of humor, Rick and Morty is your thing. Watch them all. They are amazing. Oh. I love cartoons. That makes it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't really watched anything. I've been reading a lot. I read, for some reason, I don't know why. I read a lot of books um, that are set in World War II. Um, and, uh, so I've read a few, like Beneath the Scarlet Sky and, uh, The Nightingale and, um, just some. I, I recently read the Tattooist of Auschwitz, um, and uh, I, I I think I I need to take a break. You can come in, sweetheart. I think I need to. Um, it's just my my son. Um, um, take a break from them, but I, I I just don't know why. I've always been drawn to them, and so I seek them out quite a bit. So I don't know if that would be really very interesting to Tall Monkeys fans. So. Oh, might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting period of time. Yeah. It is in a very unfortunate way. Obviously. Yeah, it's. I'm very interested in in human the strength of the human spirit, and um, there are a, a lot of examples of that in in that time and books written about that time. Thank you both so much um, for making this time on a Sunday um, from a barbecue and just to come to talk to us. Um, I think people will be really excited to hear your insights. Um, so thank you for making the time, Allison and Terry. Thank you for always being so willing to come and talk to us. My pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure as well. Thank you, guys. Thank you again to both Allison Down and Terry Metalis for taking time out of their holiday weekend to speak with us. It was such a special time, and I know that all the fans will be thankful to hear such wonderful and thoughtful conversation. Next up, we have Brothers, and you will hear from a new panelist on that one, our friend Sarah. That'll be coming up in a couple weeks. Just keep in mind we're still on an augmented schedule due to the summer. Until then, we'll see you soon.